listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3 R. Hello, you are listening to the Breakfasters podcast. Uh, this week we had many, many excellent guests and we talked about many, many things, including my time as a delinquent teenager <laughs> in a gang called The Rock Crew. Oh, what an imaginative name. <laughs> Uh, also, we got to catch up with um, comedian Fiano Lachlan ahead of her show at the Yarraville Club, and we got to talk about Kominichi Day. Mm. And uh, Anne Hunter came in. She's a polyamory and non-monogamy educator about an event, and she chatted about the community to us monogamy-loving normies. And uh, and we spoke to Glenn Jones, the executive officer at SeaWorks, about an Anne Street morgue. Uh, which is open for tours, but uh, yeah, it's a long-standing morgue in over in Williamstown. Three triple R. Anne Hunter is a relationships coach and co-founder in 2004 of Polyvic, a space for Melbourne's polyamorous community. She's appearing at an event tomorrow night titled Private Parts, Polyamory and Non-Monogamy at the Wheeler Centre. And she joins us now. And welcome to Breakfasters. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Uh, now, you're a polyamory educator and have been poly for over two decades with your partner, Pete. Firstly, yep. what is polyamory? And uh, can you explain some of its biggest misconceptions? Yeah, sure. So polyamory comes from the two parts poly meaning many and a more meaning love so it is many loves or the practice of multiple ethical relationships where everybody involved is a genuinely consenting partner to it Um, and it covers a wide variety of uh, shapes and sizes and formats Um, some of the myths are that people often confuse it with polygamy polygamy is is generally one spouse who can have multiple spouses um, who are not allowed to have other connections of their own um, and it tends to be hierarchical. Most of us know about, you know, religious polygamy but there are yes. other forms. Um, and it's often confused with cheating where, which is, you know, multiple relationships where not everybody knows about it or is genuinely consenting. Um, and the other thing that's often con- confused with is swinging. Um, and in swinging, generally... People know about it and are consenting to it, but the emphasis in swinging is on recreational sex and the emphasis in polyamory is on the emotional connection and the intimacy. So um, there's a heap of myths. There's a heap of myths around (laughs) polyamory. Uh, For example, that it's really bad for children. You can't, you know, possibly do it if you've got kids. It's all right while you're young and single and, you know, sowing your wild oats, but it's not okay once you grow up or that you'll grow out of it once you find your true love, or there's a whole bunch of, you know, that it can't work is another big myth. There's a heap of myths around Mm. polyamory. Um, And in fact, um, a lot of the ways that polyamory works are the same ways that any relationship works. You need the same level of relationship skill. It's about negotiation, about communication, about working out who I am and what I want and what works for me and then talking to uh, you know my partner and who are you and what do you want and what works for you and where do we overlap. And I, 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 sorry, I see this event is sold out, which, yes. which means does that in your mind mean that people are just very curious or that it's growing in, in popularity? Yeah, it's very popular. As we are finding out with DNA studies... Humans have never been particularly good at monogamy. It has been a thing that has been imposed on a lot of people. And 
around it, a whole bunch of myths around monogamy have grown up as well. And I know for myself, I can look right back to my teenage years and I know that I was polyamorous all my life but I was conservative Christian when I was growing up and I had no idea that there was an ethical way to do multiple relationships and I you know kind of had to work that out on my own until we heard the word found out there was you know there was a community and there were books and things that we could look up but um, if I had known I would have been polyamorous all my life. And I think there are quite a number of people that fall into that category for whom monogamy is just not their natural state. So do you think um, polyamory, it's more of an identity than a choice? And that's the classic question. And the jury's out. There are plenty of people who say, I could be monogamous with the right person. Mm -hmm. And there are people like me who say, I could never be monogamous and I never have been authentically monogamous um, and it's a, it's a really interesting question because a lot hangs on it legally. Uh, I don't know if you know about the case of Susan Bunning in Queensland who oh. was worked for Centrecare, the big Catholic organisation, and was sacked because they found out from Facebook that she was polyamorous and she took it to court. And they were allowed to discriminate because the judge decided that it was a lifestyle choice, not an orientation. Oh. And that's the precedent, the legal precedent that exists in Australia, which is a real, you know, worry for some of us. Mm. So it, it, is a, it is a big question and it's unanswered at the moment, uh, whether it is an orientation or a lifestyle. You said you had to work out polyamory for yourself. Yes. If, if The stories that we see around us and the narratives we see around us are still very much about monogamy um, and particularly mm. heteronormative versions yes. of that. So if you are a young person and you, you are thinking monogamy isn't for you, where do you go to find out about how, how to be polyamorous or, or what kind of communities might exist? Yeah. So um, one of the things that I think is one of the best resources in Melbourne at the moment is the discussion groups that Polyvic holds um, once a month where you can go, you can just sit in the corner and listen, you can ask questions uh, and they're safe facilitated places for talking about the issues that come up um, and uh, other than that there are there are now things online there are there are plenty of really good books I mean some of the books that we recommend are um, more than two um, the ethical slut was what we always is about 20 years old now but We've referred to it as the Poly Bible because it was the first, the first really good book about how to do non-monogamy. Um, and there's opening up, there's rewriting the rules. There's a whole bunch of really good um, books out there. There's stacks of podcasts, and it's it, if you just Google polyamory, the resources available is phenomenal. So, as a polyamorist, what is your attitude towards marriage? It's great for the people for whom it works, Geraldine. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and there are actually plenty of people who are married and polyamorous mm. where they, you know, people who want to prioritise one particular relationship. That's one form of polyamory. It's the one that's best known because it's the one that the media has picked up. It's not the only form by a very, very, very long shot. So, for example, I practice a form called known as solo polyamory, where I've I don't want to live with anybody or cohabit or you know do the couple up thing. I choose to live alone because I need my space, um, and I my relationships are sort of 
um, uh, at distance or oriented around that or, you know, I, I see them when I see them. But I do have a network. And some, some of the people, some of the most important people in my life are what we call metamors. That is my partner's other partner that I don't have a romantic or sexual relationship with myself um, it, it, I would call a metamor. And some of my best friends are my metamors. Right. And we get on really well and we have this, and this is, a, this is not uncommon, we have like a poly tribe, mm. if you like, of people who are in deep, connected, open, loving, um, emotionally connected relationships um, of different sorts. So this, this can rile people up. This issue, yeah, it really can, can't it? So, in, in what ways does the assumed path of monogamy, you think, infiltrate or impact the broader culture, and and go to the core of why it's so, you know, troubling yeah. for people to hear and listen to? Yeah, one of the uh, so. Um, I think that one of the things that's interesting is that marriage traditionally was about property and passing on property. It didn't matter so much for people who didn't have uh, property. Um, so, you know, working class people who didn't have anything to pass on often had more interesting setups than you might expect. Um, and it just wasn't ever documented. The people with the property were the ones who had to be very clear. And also marriage was always far more about the woman's sexual fidelity mm. than it ever, ever has been about the man's. Um, and so I think that... Uh, let me be really clear. Monogamy works really well, really well for some people, and that's great, and I heartily endorse that. And the people for whom monogamy works well are the people who can be really honest and open about who they are and what they want. Where monogamy doesn't work is where people come in with expectations of how it should work and what I expect to get out of this relationship, and I'm going to be really annoyed if I don't. Um, so uh, most of my monogamous friends who are really good at monogamy have been able to be honest when they get crushes on other people or feel like there's some need that's not getting met and they'll talk it out. Um, where monogamy doesn't work is where you feel shamed for having needs, desires or wants outside of what you think is the expectation and you can't talk about it. Mm. Do you find... When you tell people you are polyamorous, is that something that you can do easily and openly now? And how do people usually respond to that? Yeah. These days, yes. Um, I will tell strangers in the street, and I often have. Um, if anybody asks me any kind of question that goes anywhere near relationship, I let them know. Mm. Um, and I do that because I've just found it's easier and quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting that a lot of people say it is harder to come out as non-monogamous than it is to come out as queer. Um, quite a lot of people, particularly people who identify as either gay or lesbian, which are the more recognised queer groups in our community these days, find it harder to come out as non-monogamous quite often, consensually mm -hmm. non-monogamous. Um, so it's, yeah, it's... Uh, it's there, there so is a lot of hostility. stigma. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of stigma and a lot of hostility around it. What I have found is in the early days I wasn't comfortable with it. I was still finding my feet. I still wasn't sure how it worked for me. And my discomfort showed up uh, to people as, as shame or people assumed that I didn't think that it was okay. Once I got really confident that it was ethical, mm. it's ethical for me. I am being 
really deeply, this is my deepest ethical path, is pursuing non-monogamy. Then I was confident in talking to people and I was okay with their reactions. I was quite clear that their reactions said more about them than it did about me and I could have compassion on them and I could sit with them and I could hold their reaction and go, well, tell me more about that. And almost always we got to a trauma. So anybody who's been cheated on really struggles with the concept of non-monogamy because they think it means cheating. Mm. They think they're going to get that kind of betrayal and hurt again. And I can understand that. And, you know, one of the really big things about uh, polyamory and consensual non-monogamy is the consent, the real genuine consent. Um, So I understand a lot of the hostile reactions and I can have compassion for them, but I also know... They're not based in reality. They're not based in the the truth of, you know, certainly my experience, that this can work so well. Mm. And what are some of your tools you recommend for managing jealousy? Um, one of the very, very biggest things is own it. Accept that you have it. A lot of poly people feel like, like I so often heard somebody say, I couldn't do that, I get jealous. Jealousy doesn't stop you being polyamorous and being polyamorous, you can guarantee you'll hit periods of jealousy own it accept that it's yours be compassionate around it but look at it and look at what what is it one of the problems people have is that it can feel like this overwhelming ball that just takes you over we find that when you break it down and look at the component strands it's often a combination of things like i'm afraid that i'll you'll leave me i'm not good enough that person's better than me i'm not a you know a whole bunch of underlying insecurities that often come together or unmet needs Mm. i find for myself when i identify the unmet needs the jealousy jealousy melts okay so you think there are committed polyamorists well definitely that there's a lot that you can teach monogamists about love yes i really do it's that people think that their love is a finite bucket you take a scoop out and there's less left. We find it's the opposite. Delving deeper in and allowing more love creates more love. Okay. Well, Private Parts, Polyamory and Non-Monogamy is on the Wheeler Centre tomorrow evening at 6.15, although it's sold out, I believe, but you can go to wheelercentre.com for more info and availability. And it will be available online eventually. Okay. Uh, We've been speaking with Anne Hunter um, from Polyvic. Thanks so much for speaking to us. It's fascinating. It's really great chat. Thank Thank you. you. Triple R, not for everyone, for anyone. Uh, There are many things I'm thankful for, and I think um, all of us are. And one of the things, you know, being an adult... (coughs) This is a gratitude circle now. (laughs) Tuesday morning gratitude circle. Yeah, let's all hold hands. I am thankful that I'm an adult and I know who I am and I don't have to succumb to peer pressure. Oh. I agree. You go next. Uh, I am also glad that I'm an adult and I don't I don't succumb to peer pressure mm. anymore. I what f- do you mean anymore? Do you? I, I feel like I'm being peer pressured to also say the same thing. Well, we were talking before this off here about um, like I every so often because in this job we have to spend so much time talking, digging into our past. I think in a way that. You would po- a lot of your traumatic teenage experiences are just left behind you for good. Yes, and so many moments of that kind of peer pressure terror seem to be 
brought up by this job. And mm. I was thinking before when we were talking about moments, um, like moments where you have to go along with people, but you, but you know that what is happening is increasingly getting worse and is something you shouldn't be doing. That was basically me from 13 to 16, yeah. just being totally bored. You didn't want to smoke ciggies at the back <laughs> of the nah, I didn't want to drink you didn't want vanilla to. essence. <laughs> I didn't want to do many of those you things. You did what? <laughs> drink vanilla essence. That's a whole other – don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, uh, you feel a bit ill doing that. Yeah, you do. Mm. Um, so I I can distinctly remember one day, it just stands out in my head because it's probably one of the dumbest things. And I don't it's something I probably shouldn't even talk about, but I'm going to. One of the dumber things that we've ever done was I was hanging out with friends at this park that we used to sit around in. And there was like degrees of badness in this park. So uh, I'm going to talk about some illicit substances here, just a heads up from okay. your parents at home. There was a, a, a creek that ran through this park. And if you were Did really... someone end up in the creek? <laughs> okay. okay. So if you were really far into the creek, so if you went and sat in the creek, you, you would you were pretty bad. You were kind of bad. You were a bit older. Maybe mm-hmm. you were sitting in a circle, passing around a, a an old spring bottle with a hose in it. Oh. <laughs> So that's what happened in the creek. <laughs> and then there was kind of the, the hill where kids would hang out and maybe casually sneaky drink or whatever. And mm-hmm. then there was kind of this area of rocks where you just like lean against big rocks and smoke ciggies. Yeah. And I was leaning against the rocks and just smoke. It's a change of, <laughs> change of scenery from yeah, Macca's, from- mate. <laughs> lean against a big rock. Uh, but look at me now. <laughs> But that was my teen. It was just moving around various yes, geographical places in the lot- one suburb mm. when you're a yeah. That's a, and how'd you get there? Ride your bikes? Yeah, BMX banded style? No, I just, sometimes it was riding bikes. Usually it was uh, fair evading on a tram. Oh yeah, yeah, or walking. Did you, give, did you give tram um, officers attitude? Oh, yeah. I used to carry around this wad of tickets when you used to have tickets, oh, about yeah, 150 yeah. fake tickets, so that when I got caught by a tram inspector, I'd go, oh, I've got the right one in here somewhere, oh, nice. and I'd flick through them all, going through 150 tickets before I could run off the tram. <laughs> oh, wow. And then once someone, a, a tram inspector... <laughs> Would you just throw them yeah, in their I've, face like a smoke yeah. bomb? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's one here somewhere. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> they got confiscated off me once as well, which which is definitely you couldn't do, but the, it was like the guy's like, your jig is up, give me those yeah. 150 tickets. <laughs> uh, did, did you ever fall in the creek? <laughs> no, never fell in the creek. I never sat in the circle in the creek either. I never got that to that. Anyway, well, anyway. Sat in the Not, circle in the creek. Well, the, 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 there was a little, that was oh, where the people, spring. Oh, yeah, that was an upgrade. It was, a, it was an empty creek. Sorry, I should establish oh, that. There okay. was a creek, most of it was empty, and that's where the circle of people sat. Um, so... We were hanging around on these rocks one day with nothing to do, leaning and smoking ciggies, and we were like, oh, maybe we should call ourselves a collective name, like the Rock Crew. Okay. And we're like, oh, yeah, I want to be in the Rock Crew. And so we were like, yeah, we're the T, we're the, what would you call that, the T, the RRS, the Rock Crew. What is TRC? We're the TRC. And then a mate was like, yeah, let's um, let's ride it on these rocks, we'll write TRC on these rocks. So we kind of, I was like, yeah, let's let's graffiti the rocks. Don't graffiti rocks. We did that. And then there was this old couch that was near the rocks and, and my friend was like, oh, actually, let's burn um, <gasps> the rock crew, TRC, with our lighters into that old couch. What? Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh. No, you... Like- I didn't say that, but inside I was like, we shouldn't be doing this. But outside I was like, yeah, cool. Maybe the people from the creek will see us and they will all get invited down. And then so we got out our lighters and uh, decided to, we're trying to like burn. Maybe maybe at one point um, there was an impulse bottle that someone got out to to spray oh, the impulse yeah. bottle and oh, yeah. fire 
the rock crew. I like feel like judgment. I can see all judgment. No judgment. Okay, okay, all right. Yeah. And then um, I was 15, all right, and yeah. a real rebel. And then, and so we tried to spray tea, the rock crew on the, on this yes. couch. So the couch was made of foam, um, and obviously oh, yes. the, the couch just lit up lit very fast. So we've gone from starting a gang to lighting a couch on fire, and the couch lit up. And we went, "Oh, this is kind of fun." First, we were like, "Yeah, this is really funny. The little couch is on fire." And then there was a moment where we we're like. Well, the couch is really on fire. And then my friend went, we've got to kick it to the creek, kick it to the empty creek. So kick kick it down to where there's a little bit of water. So my friend started kicking the the couch. And then as it was kicking, it's just the wind kind of made it, it made it worse. Did you set the whole park on fire? (laughs) Mate. So then they kick it and then it goes under a tree. Oh, gee and then whiz. the tree sets on fire. <gasps> no way. I'm not even kidding. This is this is, it. and I was just going. Sarah Smith, I know. you arsonist. I know, but I wasn't. I know. Right? Okay. The TRC is out of control. Yeah. The TRC is out of control. And the, at this point, I was like crying because I knew I'd be in so much trouble inside. I was just like, I am going to be in so much trouble. I'm going to go to jail. This is yeah. this is it. Like this has got really bad. This has escalated from us trying to be punk cool. little punks it wasn't we were not meant to set a couch on fire we were not meant to set a tree on fire anyway my friend snapped off the branch in absolute like fear and just crushed it and then got, got we, we i can't remember where the water came from but i remember maybe it was from the creek getting water and like padding out the couch and it all it all went out everything was fine save the day save the day but how wrong could that have went? and at no point in that whole series of events where i did not want to say I, I don't want to light a couch on fire and I don't want that tree to go on fire. And not at no, one point one did, did any of us verbalise that we didn't want to light that couch on fire. You know? Who got the impulse That Was that you? No, it wasn't me. I never did anything. I just went, oh, yeah. Was the couch on wheels or it was just really strong? No, it was rolled. We oh. kicked it, rolled it. There were six of us in the rock crew. <laughs> <laughs> Beloved comedian Fiona O'Loughlin has toured far and wide for two decades with a searingly honest stand-up appearing on every TV show under the sun, including Australian Story, and last year winning I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. She's performing Gap Year at the Yarraville Club this Saturday and she's graced us here with her presence this morning. Fiona, welcome to Breakfasters. Thank you. I did, I, you shouldn't say I graced you. It's the other way around. Oh, hardly, hardly. I'm so lucky. You exude grace. Um, did, did you miss your gap year? Uh, or do you miss it now? The gap year wasn't really a thing, I don't think, when I was... Like, I'm 98. <laughs> uh, I have had a lot of work done. Okay. So, so I'm a baby boomer. I'm 56. I just turned 56 the other day. And do you know all year I thought I was 57? Oh. What, how that's wonderful. Well, yeah, because I jumped to the next year and oh. just to ease myself into it. Yeah. Right. So I always jumped to the next year, but I jumped to the next year from and then got the year wrong. So I thought I was 57 all year and I was only 55. <laughs> are you really or are you 54 now? Now I've just turned 56. So I'm just really annoyed with myself because I, you've missed out on being 55. <laughs> <laughs> The best year of your life. Uh, it sounds like you had your gap year. <laughs> it would have been a great year, but it just didn't happen. Uh, my head doesn't work very well sometimes. Because you've been claiming that you're a baby boomer. Does that change things now? No, I am a baby boomer. I just uh, snuck in by year. I'm okay. a 63 and 
you've got to no, be... No, you're 56. <laughs> no, but she's born no, in 60. No, I know. Oh, yeah, that was a joke. That was a joke, everybody. <laughs> doing a little callback. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Is this what it's like for you here, Geraldine? Uh, All the time? No, no, no. They're pretty good. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, so I don't think I had a gap year. And yet some of my kids had... One of my kids had four. (laughs) (laughs) And during his gap year, I was overseas. He rang me. And do you know how inambulant they are at times? No, we don't have kids, mate, but tell us. Well, there's a teenager, you know, Mm. so they just lie around a lot. Oh, yes, yes. They need it. Yeah. And I don't mind. Who cares? My mother used to hate us lying around. And now I, when I had teenagers, I'm like, lie around. Like, don't get up and talk to me. Just stay where you are. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he rang me um, from overseas with the news that he had Ross River virus. <gasps> and I was really concerned until I asked him which doctor he'd seen. And he'd Googled it and diagnosed <laughs> <laughs> Like, he'd been on a gap year and on the couch for about a year. And I'm like, so now you've got Ross River virus. He said, yes, it's very similar to chronic fatigue. And I was like, well, but you don't move anyway. Like, was, that, was there a creek running through the land? <laughs> I was thinking, if you're going to become less... You know, active than you are. Will we? Will, we're going to need to get in an iron lung or something. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, yeah. kids are going well. Then kids, mm. no, they are, they're full gone now. Mm. Uh, not a way. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Oh, you don't have any kids at home anymore. No, they're all grown up. Not you, at finished school. They're you're all finished school. So what I've just done, um, and it's the most fun. Uh, I've got this. There were, you know, at school you had the cool kids and then uh, um, the drama kids and the, all the different factions. Yeah. And and then you always just had those two weird girls. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was one the, of those. <laughs> yeah, oh, so was I. Ah. It was just myself and Marianne and we never, ever had anyone else but us. Lived in our own little um, mad fantasy world and... Uh, anyway, now we used to say we used to laugh about it. So we've been best friends since grade four, and, and you still are best friends, aren't you? Yeah, mm. we used to say, "Look, if everything goes horribly wrong, we'll just move in together." Hello, <laughs> Mary has just moved in. With me. Oh, really? That is awesome. It's the most fun I've ever had because we're oh now with these hilarious old ladies and. We were down in the kitchen the other night and we just started giggling. And I said, there's no parents, are there, Marianne? And she said, no, all kids. I said, we can just do what we want. Wow. You were giving 57 a good name. It's yeah. just yeah. so much fun. And we've got one other – were. we met another girl when we were at boarding school. So we did expand our group nine years later. <laughs> and that's Jasmine. Um, and so the, uh, the plan is the three of us will all eventually live together. And we will be the new Golden Girls. <laughs> Do you know which one you'll be? I'm, I'm definitely not the the um, amorous one. Blanche. Blanche. Oh, Blanche. Blanche. Not Blanche. Not that whore. No. no. I don't know which one I am. I, I think I'm the mother, the old lady. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go to the jungle then. Tell us about that. And oh, can... I've been to the jungle. I yes. prefer not to go back. How, how much did it, did that change? Your your life and your career. Okay, so 
actually, this this actually links into Gap Year, the mm-hmm. show I'm doing, uh, because I wrote Gap Year before I went into the jungle. It was about this year that I bottomed out. Like I totally, if if life was a game of poker, I just had to go. Oh, oh I'm out. I, and it well, was, you were. You were in a coma. You died, didn't you? I was as close to death as you can get. Mm. You know. Well, no, not as close. But I, they told. It was very scary. Not for me. I was asleep. But for <laughs> <laughs> you visited me in the coma. Oh yes, I did. What did I look <laughs> like? I didn't. Sorry. Oh, you didn't. Oh, oh, oh my! Oh, this is <laughs> awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you just yeah. lie, Jess? You would have known. Yeah, you looked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did though. No Prove me wrong. The best. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I called. I called. You called. Did I answer? <laughs> Tell me you were asleep. Well, the thing that they... <laughs> she'll, she'll call you when she wakes. I'll be here. It's oh. a, yeah, so after the coma, even though that was kind of the big the, the, like mm. drama bit of it, it was after that and trying to start a lot because obviously when you're in a coma you you don't get paid to be in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the, the, and I'm not complaining I'm one of the luckiest ducks I know mm. you know with the, the amount of um work and love I've been given in this um field but all of a sudden you know we don't have um sick leave or any of that yeah and it took i was in um recovery for a long time like like physical recovery and then i bottomed out i lost my mind and they um, i think it's up upwards of what's over 60 percent i think of anyone in icu suffers post-traumatic stress and so i throw that into the mix and now i'm in adelaide and then i ended up in adelaide bottoming out which is there's a lot of funny stories that happened during that time but i ended up living with my parents i I had no other option at 50 whatever 52 (laughs) now that's not ideal no and the i just don't i talk about it actually on i just have no memory of my dad when he walked me up the aisle um and the priest said, who gives this woman to be with this man? I just don't remember my dad saying, I do. But I'd really love her back when she's 52 and fucked up. That would be great. So there was a while there where I'm just getting around with my mum and dad mm. in the back seat. Now, that's not a good position. No. At 52. Oh, no. Yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun at 15. Did you get to choose a radio station? I know. No. I didn't get to choose. I was so at their mercy. Oh. And these people are gorgeous people. They love me, but they weren't loving me at the time, if mm. you get my drift, because yeah, I yeah. still hadn't gone to long-term rehab. <laughs> the story so So I'm still – I'm not – I was dry while I was with them, but it was um, – Anyway, I remember what I call the worst day of my life. And I'm sitting in the back seat of mum and dad's car. (laughs) My reality just kept bouncing out of my head every day. I'm Mm. like, what did you do? What (laughs) what happens? Um, And I I just didn't know what what my future was going to be. And anyway, this day I'm in the back seat of the car. This is where I grew up. And the countryside is as flat as Texas. And um, it kind of... 
used to give me the heebie-jeebies when I was a kid. Uh, well, I I like I used to read Enid Blyton. If you can live in the country, could I please have a stream or a knoll? Yes. Knoll, whatever knoll. Where, where are you going to get Ross River <laughs> Fever? Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're driving into this country town, the main service town, because mm. mum and dad live in this tiny little town, but we're driving 50 k's to, the, to this big town called Kadena to sign me up for Centrelink. And what a great day <laughs> that was. <laughs> Oh, it gets worse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Here you go. How I'm guilty are you feeling about not visiting her in a coma now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's the funniest day. You know, because Emily was there as well. Mm. Emily was in the back seat with me this day. My sister Emily is a friend of Geraldine's mm. and the funniest girl I know. You two make me... She makes me laugh. Yeah, you two make each other cry laughing. Mm. And anyway, so Emily just happened to be home. She's she's not bottomed out as an alcoholic. <laughs> she's just between gigs, you know. So she's a few steps up the ladder than me. <laughs> and we're going to Centrelink, and Princess Fiona in a bad mood. She didn't see this in her future. I turned around to Emily. I said, "I hope there's not a line. I hope I don't have to queue up." <laughs> I hope they recognise. <laughs> well, you don't want to be recognised. Exactly. exactly. That's what Emily said. You are so stupid. She said you want to be recognised. It's Centrelink and Kanina. Oh, sorry if you had to come right through. <laughs> don't you know who I am? I, I hope not. It was just a really bad time. Oh. And then mum said, I looked out the window and I see this. This is on our way into Kadena, into mm. the town before Santa Lots to look forward to. It's a big day. And I just see this farmhouse that even as a little kid, it creeped me out. It just gave me the he- Everything gave yeah. me the he- <laughs> I looked at the farmhouse and I'm like, oh, you're not helping either. Uh, and it was a hot north wind day too and they're the worst. Oh, yeah. And anyway, mum pipes up from the front seat. June Barlow lives in there. Who's June Barlow? <laughs> Funny you should ask. Um, she said, I play bridge with her. <laughs> She's a fan of yours. But she had the tone. Yeah. yeah. She's a fan of yours. Um, and then she said, and my heart dropped because I'm in no, I have no hand. Okay, mm. and she said, "I thought we might like to call in and <gasps> see her on the way home." Oh. <laughs> Meet your fans. At which point? <laughs> at which point? I nearly fainted. <laughs> and then, besides which, I'm trying to explain to Mum how fans work, but you don't find them. <laughs> moment of me knocking on June Barlow's door. You know, just 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 going, hello. Can I have a job? I heard you I heard you like me. Oh man. And so when I was in the jungle, there were moments where you you know, you're hungry, that's good though if you're fifty five and Six kilos overweight. It's great for you know tubs, and it's 
also um, every now and then they torture you and fight you, but <laughs> basically it's a beautiful place. And the company was great, but I remember Danny Green saying to me one day, he um, turned around and he goes, why are you always so happy? And I said, because I'm not in the back seat of my parents' car. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I will have another wildebeest testicle pen. I'll have five. Um, yeah, so there was so much. Uh, uh, and I'd also, you know, been to rehab for five months where you no phones, no telephone, uh, no phones, no internet, mm. no television, l- sharing a room with, you know, three other sad old. You're at happy days in the jungle. So the jungle yeah, was luxury. Heaven. <laughs> and it really felt like a new beginning, although I had no idea when I was in there how well I was doing. Um, they don't give you any They're not saying like you're the popular not, one. And that's the thing. They do oh. not give you any feedback. In fact, they don't. But the producers do not really talk to you. Really? No. And it, it, because it's that... Yeah, I remember there's only one day the big, big producer comes into the camp. That's never happened. You don't see any producers inside the camp. You don't see any... You don't even see a cameraman. You, you, we heard one fart in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was just, that was just the most joyful day. But everything becomes joyful again. Like when you imagine you, no one can contact you. Um, there's nothing to do but just... Yeah. I mean, food would have been good, but... What's wrong with the testicles? Well, they here's the thing. Here's the problem with testi- uh, with eating testicles. You can't masticate them. Oh. Because there's just no... What do you do? You just have to suck? You, no. You, it, you, they, it's just like, okay, I did the right thing. I put the testicle in my mouth. Now, yeah. Now, heaven. Swallow. Oh, so you swallow. Would you let me swallow? But it just gets you. Oh, you can't, no. And you can't get any saliva out. Anyway, thanks for coming. Oh. Oh. <laughs> When's your show on? Do you know, can I just tell you one other thing about a testicle? Uh, <laughs> Quick, because we've got to go to the news. Oh, shit, sorry. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want the testicle tidbit, guys. Okay, here's the thing. The things that you remember, you know, the human mind, it's an incredible thing that you remember from school. Like, I, I got 28% for biology, you know, probably why I had so many kids, but I had no... <laughs> idea that I ever would hear or remember this word or um, mm. and I'm eating the testicle and then there's this bit I can't eat it's like a tube bit and I've gone oh, that's the Van Stefferen <laughs> <laughs> now I've never said Van Stefferen I've never thought of a Van Stefferen since I was tw- 13 in a biology class Anyway. Amazing. Uh, well, that really wasn't worth it. Fiona O'Loughlin's Gappy is on at the Yarraville Club this Saturday. Go to yarravilleclub.com for details. And uh, thank you so much, Fiona, for coming in. Oh, you're the best. Thank you so much. Three. Triple. Do you remember the Comanichi Day? Yes. How could I forget? You know what? It came up on Twitter again recently. Did it? Yeah. Someone was sharing. Someone I follow on, on Twitter was um, resharing the, her, her ah. 10 out of 10 performance. Literally, Comanichi. I did see that pop up. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Well, the Olympics put it out. Because I think. Because oh. I was like, oh, how come oh. I don't see this so often? This oh, video. Oh, is that what it was? Because it suddenly started appearing in my feed this yeah. week. Yeah. And right. the Olympics guard footage like crazy. 
and so that's the Olympics broadcast it. Oh, on they're social like media. Disney. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah. Do they? Why? Why do they hoard it? Yeah, I don't know. It's. I mean, it's one of the good things. I mean, I think we've discussed like the the rings are kind of sacrosanct. And, yeah, right. And they don't have corporate sponsorship in the um, stadiums itself and all that sort of stuff. Anyway. Yeah. But do so you, why uh, is it doing the rounds? Oh, I, think it might, I, might, I think it might have something to do with... Is it uh, an anniversary or women. something? No, I think it has something to do with women in sport, but I, I'm not sure, or it's an anniversary. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But do you know, do you know the... Um, have you heard of a Kominichi day? No. It's the perfect day. What happened? So, oh, that's course. So but, Geraldine has had a Kominichi day oh, before. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Mm. I, don't, I can't remember what happened on your Kominichi day No, I, we talked about what would your Kominichi day look like. Oh, that's right. Where everything from the moment you wake up to you go to sleep yeah. again just happens perfectly as you want it. Yeah. You had one of them. No, uh, but I reckon yesterday I got close. <laughs> oh, tell but us first about it. I want to know, Daniel, what do you reckon your Kominichi day would look like? Uh, I mean, probably sleep in, but not so much that I'm behind the eight ball. Yep. Uh, That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well rested. What, yeah. Wake well up rested. Yeah. Uh, it'd be nice to go outside and the paper hasn't been stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'd probably go to a breakfast place I go to that's always packed and then I have to leave. But this time there would be a seat available. So at all times and you don't <laughs> feel pressured to leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, then uh, after that, after reading the paper and you can, over breakfast. Yeah, read all the papers. Read all of it. Yeah. And then, and then I'd get to play tennis. Oh. And then I would win tennis. Of course. <laughs> but it would be a close match and who, everyone would be happy. <laughs> who would you play against, Serena Williams? No, no. <laughs> I, it, would, it would be a friend that I don't get to see so much. Uh, and and then uh, it would be nice to go for a beer with him, but I've already screwed up the timeline because it sounds like it's mid-morning. No. I, I it's reckon, a Kominichi day. It's a Kominichi day. You've had a long breakfast. Yeah. You've wandered around. Tennis. Yeah. I reckon it's, I reckon it's lunchtime. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Then we have a okay. We have a beer. Yeah. And uh, then he's got to go. And then I get to <laughs> don't have too much time with him. <laughs> um, but then I get to see a movie. Ah. Oh, at the cinema by, by yourself. Uh, someone can come if they want. Do you want someone there though? It's Kominichi Day. It's Kominichi Day. I I want them there only if they want to be there. Yeah. Right. I don't want to have. I don't want to be told that they didn't like the movie yeah. or. You know, yes. you know anything else like that? I I, I just, just want them to be happy to be there. Any particular movie? Um, I would like. No, is any particular movie? Oh, maybe. I mean, I saw a film based on a Haley Inch recommendation. Yeah. That I would. I don't think I would otherwise have ever seen in a million years. Is this the Korean one? No. Oh. It was a. It was like Norwegian or. Oh yes, that oh. Norwegian comedy. Was yeah, it? It, well, it was. A, I thought it was very funny. Uh, it, it anyway, it was Nordic, but it was about a, an eco terrorist. That's right. Mm. And it was a you know like an unassuming woman who's yeah. you know bring down power lines. That. Oh, I think it was Iceland. Um, anyway, it's a movie like that that I you know that you just, wouldn't think of. But... I wouldn't think of, but I'm surprised and I'm excited mm. to. To having it's a great Kominichi day. <laughs> so you, but in the afternoon and then at night time. Oh, it doesn't really matter at that point. Yeah. I feel like it's a total Just success. Oh, but dinner would matter so much to me at this point because everything's gone right. <laughs> yeah, but it's Kominichi day. Yeah. 
So, so you want you need dinner to be good as well. Oh yeah, I haven't had dinner saying. yet, have yeah. I? Yeah, right. Mm. Well, I would like to have received a voucher. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to share that with with friends or whatever. Or what what if um like in you got a food delivery? Uh, just un, an unexpected food delivery. Or would you feel too guilty about eating someone else's food? Yeah. yeah. Oh god, do people do that? Like an, Uber, like an accidental Uber Eats delivery yeah. oh, and you took the person's food. Yeah. Oh, that's harsh. I feel like you can't okay, be an asshole that. when you come and eat your dates. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, that's a really great comment, each Oh, thank you. I thought yeah. like it was pretty pedestrian as it came yeah. out. Given I just sprung it on you, like it's pretty good. What was your? Do you remember? I cannot bits remember of yours? mine. It, it would have been not, not dissimilar except yeah. with no tennis, no movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about it. <laughs> well, mine. Um, I think yesterday um, I had uh, quite a big, big day. It was a daunting day for me, yeah. like because it was you know here and then on set all day, and then I had a gig. And the the daunting part was the gig was like a forty five minute drive away, and it was due to start forty five minutes after I we were due to to wrap. Yes. Um, so it was it was going to be tight and it was going to be stressful and it was you know doing my head in a little bit. Uh, um, so day starts. Come here. We had a great day. Yes, great show yesterday. Mm. It was good. Um, so that was all fine. And then normally on on set there's catering and the, they provide breakfast and lunch. Um, but I'm never there for breakfast because it's you know it's always wrapped up by the time I get there. Um, but yesterday got there. Still breakfast. Oh, awesome. Beautiful. What did you have? I had an um, egg roll. Oh, yum. With some lettuce and tomato in there. Great. Yeah, my. Um, so I had one. I'm like, that'll keep me going. Yeah. Ripper. Was it uh, soft bread? Yes. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yummo. Uh, and, then, um, and then I get on to set and I said to the uh, first AD, the first assistant director, man that runs the place, he runs the show, and I said... I have a gig tonight in Notting Hill at 7.30. And he looked at me and he went, oh, <laughs> that's probably. And he goes, we're, we're due to, we're already an hour behind and we're, and we've added extra scenes. We're probably not going to finish till 7.30. He goes, I'll, I'll see what I can do, but I don't think it's, I'm like, that's fine. That's enough for me mm-hmm. to know that I'm not going to make this gig yeah. and I have to pull the pin on it. You need to rid yourself of that panic at yes. the start of the day. Yeah. And, I, and carry it's it with you. Completely out of my control. Mm-hmm. It's fine. That gig was booked in before this filming was, and it's just, these things happen. They do. Uh, so I, I sent a message and went, really sorry. Offered to. Um, you know, find offered some suggestions of you know who could do it and blah blah blah, and they were like, "It's fine, leave it with me." I'm like, "Done, left." So breakfast tick, no gig tick, and then uh, halfway, well not halfway through the day, um, at one stage of the day, um, I was about to get changed into my they had costumes for the, for the next scene, and they go, "Oh, your next scene isn't you're not in the next scene, so you can relax." And they go. Actually, you don't have anything till after lunch, and lunch wasn't for another hour. Oh. You know what that meant? Ah, oh. nap. Got a nap in. Oh my and gosh, where did you nap? Well, in because your tiny it's... box. No, thankfully, <laughs> I have an office as well. My character has an office, oh, yeah. and because it's set in a, um, you know, in a medical place, there is a. 
bed. Oh, yeah. The, yes. Yeah, yes. You slept on the set. I slept on set. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't using my office. Shut the door. Had a got a blanket, and they go, "Here's your blanket." Got one of them, and also you've had the, they've got these um, heat packs that they stick to your back. Oh, had one of them. What a dream! That stay warm all day. I don't know what it does to the environment. She <laughs> wizards. A ripper. All your kidneys. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. yeah. No, that's nice. So got a nap, got a nap in, and then um, got all, all the scenes done. Everything, oh. everything was great. Um, and then at the, and then we wrapped at about seven, so a little bit earlier than expected, but not enough to make that gig. So that I didn't have any sense of oh no, I could have made it. Um, and then got home. And then Survivor was on, one of my favourite TV oh. shows. Oh. The first episode of Survivor. Oh, and I'm what like, a dream that is. This is great. That is that is an integral part of a Comanichi Day, is the accidental nature of the good luck. Yeah, Don't you yeah that's that true. You, do, yeah. you turn your TV on and you go, oh, oh this is what I want. Non-stop it... sex in the city on a Saturday yeah. night. Uh, <laughs> was it a new season? Yeah, brand yeah. new season. This is the, the Australian one, the... Um, um, champions versus contenders and it's debatable <laughs> who are champions and who are contenders at the moment. I was just thinking when you say Kominichi Day <laughs> that at the end of it at the end of her 10 thinking of um, the comment yesterday that she lands it she does a perfect landing and yells <laughs> you loser I'm winning yes <laughs> <laughs> three triple ah. Oh. Street Morgue in Williamstown is the first morgue erected in Victoria and the oldest surviving in Melbourne. Its doors will be swung open this weekend for tours as part of Open House Melbourne. And to tell us about it, we're joined by Executive Officer of Seaworks in Williamstown, Glenn Jones. Glenn, welcome to Breakfasters. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, firstly, tell us about the site of Seaworks and the role it's played in the history of Melbourne. Well, Seaworks was the original um, port of Melbourne and uh, now it's turned into what we're trying to turn into a, uh, an entertainment space. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, concerts there, festivals, um, car shows, uh, exhibitions. So it's a, it's a mixed-use space. Um, we, recently we had the NGV there, uh, National Gallery of Victoria, actually creating all the, the winter masterpieces for, um, that are in at the moment with the Terracotta Warriors. So they were gunpowder paintings that were actually being created in Williamstown. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's quite a fascinating space. Mm. Um, we have, we have uh, Strange Fruit, which are the... Uh, the circus performance, um, they they actually have uh, a space there as well, so they're, they're one of our tenants. We also have uh, Sea Shepherd, uh, that's their Southern Ocean base there as well. So it's a, it is a mixed space. Oh, wow. So it's all <laughs> happening. And, and on this, in, in your purview on the grounds, is this Ann Street Morgue. Yes. Um, can you tell <laughs> us a bit about it? It's, a, it's an unusual asset to actually have when everyone sort of says, you know, what, what have you got there? And I say, well, I've got one of the things I've got is a, I've got a pirate's tavern. So and then, and then and then they go, oh, that's fantastic! And I said, I've also, do you want to come and have a look at my morgue? And they go, well, what do you mean? I don't, you know. So it's it's an unusual thing to actually tell people. It's a uh, it's a very unusual product to actually have, and we um it's it's tucked away on on Ann Street, and it, as you mentioned, it is one of the oldest public buildings I believe in in Australia as well. So, but uh, it is definitely the oldest building in Williamstown. It was originally built up the road um, where Gem Pier is, and it has been moved twice um, before. Before it's now, it's in its third location. Um, it closed in uh, nineteen twenty-five or twenty-nine, I believe, and. Uh, 
purely because um, it, sanitary uh, <laughs> issues there. There was no, there's no electricity in the morgue. There's no running water. It would actually relied on uh, the actual tide to actually come in and flush out and, mm. and naturally cleanse the the whole place. Which so, is why they left uh, it at the pier, I suppose. Yeah, well, originally, well, where it was it, because. Um, it wasn't in a really good location. If you look at where uh, Commonwealth Reserve is and it's like parkland at the moment um, and you had a morgue sitting in the middle of that, it's probably not a, a great place for a morgue. Mm. So they tried to disguise it at one point to, as far as planting trees and putting a, a beautiful white picket <laughs> fence around it, but you can't disguise smell. That's so. right. <laughs> Nothing complaint. to see here, folks. No. <laughs> um, so uh, Williamstown uh, got the morgue because because why? Why Williamstown? Well, it was one of the... It was the major port. Of, of Melbourne, so it was, it was it was needed. Originally, they were if there was any bodies that came off off boats or, or of natural causes on, on land as well, they were actually placed in in some of the the cellars of the hotels that were there. So it was to keep them cool until they did mm. an autopsy, and then they would be buried. Mm. So um, so what they it, what it came to was the uh, deputy coroner who was actually a hotel owner said we need a morgue so they actually built one and i think there was a little bit of pressure there from him as well because he was sick of actually having bodies brought into his hotel (laughs) (laughs) so he he went in and he was the main driver of actually getting this morgue built and um i think the original cost was probably about 160 166 pounds so to actually get it done and i I believe he helped helped fund that as well this might be a silly dumb question but does it still smell no, okay. no. <laughs> dumb question. Depends, depends on what you. What, it depends <laughs> on what you. If you talking about a musty smell or anything like that, is you know, or the, Can you the smell sound. Death in there. Still? No. no. Do you know okay. the, the, the most amazing thing that I love what, taking people in there is just that opening of the door. Yeah. Because it's just got that beautiful creak as you open oh. up. It's, it just sends shivers down your spine as soon as you walk in. So you've got the keys. Yes. Do you ever go for a little wander on your own? I have done. <laughs> You know, it's Are kind you? of odd. It, it is an odd thing to do. But, yeah, every now and again, if I want some peace and quiet, I'll go to the morgue. Go and sit in the morgue. <laughs> wow. So what remains of the original morgue there today? It's actually... Uh, well, the the walls are actually... the Everything around it is, is original. The... Um, the only thing that was in there was a, a, a table, uh, an autopsy table. So, oh. um, so that's that is no longer there. Um, but we have mocked one up, and we have, we do have um, some bodies hanging from the ceiling in, in Hessian bags. Oh. Now there is a story. <laughs> there is a story about why they, why they, why they're there. And because I, I looked at it when I first got in there, I said, "What is going on?" And it's um, they used to wrap the bodies in Hessian and. And then suspend them. One, rats were a problem ah. on, on a port town. And um, also that Hessian has a, when it's damp, it has a natural um, cooling property to it. So, yeah. uh, so the breeze that was coming through the windows would actually cool the bodies down. Um, so it, well, just for, for health, <laughs> health reasons. <laughs> yeah. so you don't want warm bodies that aren't living anymore. 
God. And so you're, you'll be doing the tours? Uh, I have a, a team of volunteers, so it's uh, from the from the museum. Uh, that's another thing I forgot to mention. We actually do have a maritime museum there, and I have a great team of volunteers that know a lot of the stories of, of, of the morgue and, and its history as well. So, And not only that, uh, about the whole site too. So, But there's uh, the, the maritime museum is, is quite fascinating as well if you wanted to get some history about the, uh, about the area as well. And do you know of any uh, autopsy stories? that have taken place in the in the morgue is there is there anything well okay is it, <laughs> is, is, sorry, it's sorry, sorry to be so, <laughs> so excited yeah, pretty excited but but uh but yeah like is there is there anything that you uh do people freak out when they turn up well i'll, I'll tell you one story there's this dead is, bodies hanging from the ceiling yeah, in hessian bags yeah. yes <laughs> I took my kids in there when I first first started working there. They just sort of looked at me and go, what are we doing here, Dad? So, um, no, there was, um, there was one, and to go back to the Pirates Tavern, and this may seem a little bit odd, but they, there was a wedding at the Pirates Tavern and the bride was wanting to get some unusual photos, some different photos, and they, took, they said, oh, would you like to come into the morgue and we'll take some photos in the morgue? And they, she goes, yeah, OK. And I thought, well, what a weird thing to do. Anyway, so they took her in there and she got some photos and against the wall there was, um, once she looked at the photos, there was a, <gasps> the size of a two-metre skull Sort of just the way the light hit oh, hit the uh, hit the God. walls, you, oh. and if you, if you're in there on certain days, certain times, you can actually see in the corner. You can see the, this uh, make out of this uh, huge two meter skull. Oh. So. <laughs> That is fabulous. My legs just went weird. <laughs> yeah. And it's Hobson's Bay has been instrumental, isn't it, in the creation of Melbourne? And and you know there were there used to be ships like hulks that were there were prisons there as yes, well. Yes. So people living not far from uh, where this morgue is. Absolutely. Well, we have one of the um, a mock up of one of the the prison hulk uh, cells, I suppose you oh, call it, wow. actually in the, in the museum. And uh, so it get, gives you a good idea of the actual size of what these prisoners were actually uh, living in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite extraordinary. It's I, I couldn't fit. I mean, I'm, I'm six foot, so I, there's no way I would have been a good prisoner. And you look at you know, the likes of William Buckley, who was he was almost seven foot tall. So yeah, he, you know, he would he would have struggled. So and um, there's a famous riot on those hulks as well. There's uh, there's there's a lot of stories. So if you go into the museum and those the, the museum staff are fascinating, fascinating, and they have some some incredible stories about what what actually happened mm-hmm. on those prison hulks. And is that museum open on the weekend as well? It is open on on this this Saturday and Sunday. Normal hours are uh, f- uh, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, but they're open on on both days this weekend. And SeaWorks is you know a new venture, really. That well, it's it's actually been going for uh, since about two thousand and thirteen. Yeah, um, I said it was just a an, an empty old. Port of Melbourne site and its old warehouses, and uh, we still actually operate as a as a working maritime precinct. So yep. we we have do have um, trawlers uh, using the pier as well, and we've got uh, uh, boat uh, builders in there, wooden boat builders who who uh, Ferdy who's who's been working on the the mast. Um, and stays for the Pollywood side at the moment. So that that's amazing when you actually get in there and watch them actually work and what they're actually doing. As I said, we've got sailmakers and um, we're looking at other options for the site to actually activate it and make it a lot more of a, a vibrant port um, 
entertainment yeah. precinct. Watch the ships come in, go hang out in the morgue, you're yeah. living the dream. Well, we've also got, uh, we're, we're working on a project at the moment um, coming up in, in February, March to get some uh, tall ships coming coming through. So oh, wow. cool. at the moment, um, Bark Endeavour is, is, is one of them. Uh, Bark, um, yeah, Bark, no, Young Endeavour and... Uh, and um, James Craig, which is a 70-metre uh, vessel, which is just beautiful. Okay. Wow. Well, tours of Ann Street Morgue in Williamstown are taking place as part of Open House Melbourne this Saturday and Sunday from 11 till 3. And uh, we've been speaking to Executive Officer of SeaWorks, Glenn Jones. Glenn, uh, good luck Saturday. Great. Thank you for having me. Cheers. You're listening to the best bits of The Breakfasters from 3RRR.